<laughs> oh, hallelujah. Point your hands my way, everybody in the house. And pray that God will help me to be a, a preacher full of the Holy Spirit. Less of me and more of Him. Would you, would you give for that prayer on my behalf? God, I just want to thank you right now that you know the timing of the, my life and the life of these people. And this morning, God, you have coincided our life with each other and our lives with yours. On this August 26, 2012, on the Lord's Day, on this second service, I pray for a fresh visitation on all of us. Say amen, church. I pray for the eyes of our seeing to be enlightened and the mind of our understanding to be enlightened and the ears of our hearing to be enlightened and the will of our desires to conform to your will. I pray for myself and for them, for energy and anointing. God, I I do pray that you would give me revelation and impartation beyond which I think I may already be prepared. And help me, Lord, not to be a hindrance, but to be a blessing. Release anointing on all of us. Because, God, I don't want to be an entertainer. But I want to be a voice crying in the wilderness like maybe John the Baptist. Make straight the way of the Lord and trust Him. For that I'm grateful. And if you're grateful, say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. And I'm going to ask you to put this on the screen, the slide that represents the title of this message. And in a moment I'll have you turn to a reference. We're in the book of Daniel. Maybe you want to go there and hold chapter 3 for further reference. And maybe you want to take the little ribbon in your Bible and take it to Acts 16. For another reference. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Is He good? Amen. I told you last week that I have revisited this message from the Lord that I brought to this congregation years ago. And it's because of the climate of our church and our world and maybe your world that the Holy Spirit has brought back to my mind and my understanding the need for this title and this word living in your second choice world some of you were with us when i brought this message years ago and you received the word dan and maybe you were not in your second choice world but now you are and you need a little help from the word and others of you that were not with us then are with us now and the holy spirit says revisit this word because it's a word that fits every occasion meaning the occasions of our storms and our lives and our pains now, one of the things I do when I reintroduce and move on to, to where we need to be, I can spend too much time in reintroducing and revisiting. So let me encourage you to get the background for this lesson from last Sunday's CD or other kinds of uh, media resources we have available. And, and I, I brought you the account from Daniel for more reasons than one. But I explained to you last week, of which I will just list but not preach, that there are numbers of possibilities... As to one, why one may feel as though they are in their second choice world. There are things that come to our lives that either we had a part in bringing that puts us in a second choice world. Or there's just stuff that comes to our lives that somebody brought that we didn't ask for. Can I get a witness? But it puts us in a second choice world. A failed marriage. The loss of a job. The sickness of our body or somebody we love and care for. Addictions or bondages of various sorts. Victimization, either being the victim or having victimized. Consequences of wrong choices and circumstances beyond our control have a large part in putting us in a second choice world. What do I mean by second choice world? I mean that given our first choice, 
we would choose a happy marriage and a long marriage. Given our first choice, we would choose a job that pays premium pay and that is a pleasure to go to. Given our first choice, we would choose health above any kind of bodily affliction. Can I get a witness from the house? Given our first choice, we would pray no addiction, no bondage, no captivity for ourselves or people we love. Given our first choice, we don't want to victimize anybody or be the victim of somebody else's abuse. And, and you, you know what I'm saying to you, but we don't always live in that world. Matter of fact, because of sin and the devil and the flesh that may not be under control, we probably live more of our lives in a second choice world than we do in a first choice world. And when we get there, we need to know how to live there so we can move up to a first choice world again. As I look at this congregation, it's been my privilege to be here as your shepherd. I can, and not for the sake of, uh, of breaking confidentiality, but for the sake of being uh, a teacher and illustrating, with enough generic information, I can point to people in this church that are in their second choice world. Then ask to be, don't want to be. As I was in my office this morning for the first service, I saw somebody help an elderly person out of the car near the front entrance, entrance. And then they went to the trunk of the car and took out a walker so that she could walk into church and be in the house of God. That's a second choice world, but she's here anyhow. Can I get an amen? As I was in worship at the first service this morning, I saw a gentleman walk into church, and I know him, and I've been on a journey with him now for about a year and a half. His wife no longer comes to church with him. She used to. They used to be a family in church together. But his world has turned topsy-turvy. Their marriage has become stormy. He comes here by himself. I watch him weep during the first service. Not staring at him. But he is in his second choice world. Did I hear anybody say amen? And I'm saying, as I got a text this morning from Becky Barnett, who is right now in the ICU waiting area at the University of Alabama, Birmingham Hospital there in Birmingham. I was with she and her husband, Ron. Ron is one of the elders of our church. He went under surgery this past week on Thursday and was there for nine hours of surgery. How many know that's a second choice world, okay? Nineteen months ago, he had some surgeries, but things didn't work out well, and so he's been in a second choice world for 19 months but he's an ICU and she sent me a text early this morning and said pastor praise the Lord it's another day Ron is still in surgery but I'm trusting God in her text she said he starts calling me Sergeant Becky because of what I'm making him do that the doctor says he needs to do instead of what he wanting to do so I text her back and I said hey Sergeant Becky because all of us need a sergeant somebody in our lives to pick us up along the way when we don't feel we like doing what God tells us to do, but we know it's going to be helpful. Pick us up and help us get back on the road to our first choice world. <laughs> All of a sudden feel happy. All around me, part of my job, the staff, is to help people in their second choice world. And I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, while I'm helping somebody in a second choice world, 
Don't you dismiss the fact that I got some places in my world that I'd rather not be because the devil doesn't want me to have joy so I can give you joy. The devil doesn't want me to have peace so I can give you peace. The devil don't want me to have pain so I can help you out of your pain. What the devil wants me to do is have despair and, and anguish and wonder what we're going to do. But I have learned in my second choice world how to identify with your second choice world. I've had to go through some valley because God helped me to know how to appreciate your valley. Somebody help me say amen. I've had to be in the hospital once or so before some family member only to appreciate that when you call where you are how I can say to you I love you I'm praying for you and together by the power of God we will rise above our pain. Help me praise him. If the book of Daniel does anything to us by the accounts of the miracles of God in Daniel and his peers' lives, Daniel insists that second-choice worlds are not dumping ground for failures. They are arenas in which to demonstrate the reality of God. You are not going through this valley in your life. This dark place, this physical attack in your body, just because God went to sleep or he collects his social security check, sits in a wheelchair in some rehab facilities waiting to die. That's not the God you serve. You are going through what you're going through by God's knowledge and by God's permission. Did you hear what I had to say just then? And I'm here to tell you that oftentimes, and I'll, I'll say more about it in just a moment, but maybe I should just say it now. Maybe the moment won't come. You are oftentimes going through where you are so God can stretch you. So God can put you on the potter's wheel like a potter puts a, oh, a lump of clay and moistens it and begins to let the pedal of the wheel cause the wheel to spin. Sometimes God allows you to go through your second choice world or live in it so you could prove that he is still omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent. Can somebody say praise the Lord? I like what Andre Crouch said years ago in writing songs and one of the songs that Andre Crouch wrote that says if I never had a problem I never would know that God could solve them if I never had a trial I wouldn't know what faith in God could do am I the only one feeling happy here yeah go ahead Alan I just said <laughs> I told you last week that if we live through a second choice experience it helps if we have other people to help us I mean, no, we need some people to help us. I know you've got to be careful who you go ask for help because not everybody's for you. Some people are against you. But God will give you discernment. Daniel had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had Daniel. And although Daniel and his peers did not want to be in Babylon, they were captives, they were enslaved, they were in a foreign land, they were in a strange land. It was a second choice world for them. They didn't want to be there. They didn't ask to be there. They weren't there because of their fault. They were there because their predecessors and their forefathers and people around them kept disobeying God. And God allowed them to go into judgment by captivity. But they found out, you know what, if we lock arms together, we can make it through better. Instead of criticizing, condemning, and finding fault and saying, I'm better, that's why I'm not suffering, they're worse. Let's lock arms together, pray for one another, love one another, send an encouraging email or text or phone call. Did I hear an amen? You see, just as bad as you need encouragement, somebody else needs it. But it's contagious. I, I told you last week, rather than avoiding or running from your second choice world, we should pursue it and give it our best. 
They were going to be there, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were going to be under a foreign government in a strange land with a different culture, a different language, a, a, a different atmosphere, different gods, different administration for 70 years. As far as I know, and I stand to be corrected, Daniel and his peers probably died in their second choice world. And, and so they, they have come to the conclusion, rather than come into this place and sit down and grieve and complain and fuss and blame and pardon the expression, cuss and fear God, I'm going to sit down long enough to catch my breath. I'm going to sit down long enough to revisit in my mind who God is. And instead of, I'm going to be here so I can't run from it. You see, you need to write this down and remember it. The Holy Ghost told me to tell you this. There's some things God doesn't want you to run from. He wants you to work through. Did you hear the pastor? There, there, There are some things that God doesn't want you to deny. He wants you to deal with. I just said a whole sermon right there. It's a whole lot easier for me to put aside the dental appointment and think it's going to be okay if I delay it. It's a whole lot easier for me to, when the doctor says come back in three months because I'm concerned about your blood pressure or your, or in my case, uh, the, the, the problem of high cholesterol and I'm putting you on this medicine. So come back in three months and we'll do a blood work. It's a whole lot easier for me to delay it or to deny it. But when I go back, it's still there. Because I hadn't done what I was supposed to do. If I hadn't taken my medicine or done... You see, there's some things... It may be easier to run from a marital conflict. It may be easier to run from kids who are hanging with the wrong crowd and who are listening to the wrong music and dressing with the wrong clothes and and involved in an internet world that should not be where they are. It may be easier to try to run from it. It may be easier to run from a, a, a certain situation. But sometimes God says, I don't want you to run from it. I want you to work through it. I don't want you to... Well, well, go go in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Uh, When I preached this sermon, this title, uh, a few years ago, it was a four-part sermon. So this is just a second part. And I'm not saying I'm going four parts. But hurry hurry over to... mm, Help me go... Holy Ghost. Acts 16. Acts 16. Uh, uh, Let me hear those onion skins of your Bible turn. Or or just get your little app on your whatever your Bible is here. uh, and, And find it wherever you have it. Just be sure you're not texting somebody and all that kind of stuff, you know. In Acts 16, the Bible tells us that Paul and his traveling companion, Silas, because of the work of God and obeying God, was cast into a second choice world. Now, now look at me and listen to this. We found Acts 16, but look here, just a minute. Let me, let me tell you where we are. Do you know that sometimes your greatest trial comes after your sacrificial obedience to what God says? Yeah. Because God, you see, it's like Job. And I know I've got, you, I've got Paul and Silas on your mind. But Job, faithful to God, loving God, serving God. And then Satan shows up and says he's just doing all that because you bless him. You take away his blessings and he'll curse you. And sometimes your greatest trial comes and God says, now you need to give your 10% and tithe if you expect for me to bless your wages and pay your bills. 
And you go on doing that and Satan gets you, causes you to have a financial situation where he wants you to question your obedience. Did you hear what I said? I, I, I'm saying sometimes, sometimes the Lord says you ought to forgive. This is my will for you to forgive. Let it go. Don't carry it. Uh, even make an apology. And God, you, but God, I don't want to make an apology. They're the one who offended me. And when you obey God, sometimes it seems like right after you do it, just because it makes the devil mad, he stirs up a hornet's nest in your life. Paul and Silas went to the city of Philippi preaching the gospel. And a, a, a young lady who had powers of darkness and demonic powers, was a slave girl to her owners. But because she had powers of witchcraft and saying and palm reading, and I don't know, maybe they had crystal balls back then. I'm not so sure because of the, the glass, etc. and all that made from. But that she had powers of hell because she was demon-possessed. And there were a few people who owned her. And they charged money for people to come and she to tell them their fortune or their future or read their palm and... She brought her masters a lot of money. While Paul and Silas was preaching in Ephesus, she began to mock them while she was mimicking godliness and trying to affirm their ministry in the name of uh, darkness. Paul discerned and cast the demons out of this girl. Well, immediately when the demon was cast out and she was set free, it made her masters angry because they lost their means of income. They were charging money for everybody who came for, to have their whatever they wanted told or foretell. And it made her masters so mad that they got together with some other people who were making money off the devil. How many know the devil has real powers? Can I get an amen? And they got together and they, uh, they went and found Paul and Silas. They brought Paul and Silas to the magistrates, the leading officials of Philippi. And they made accusations against them. And the leading officials, the magistrates, because of the uproar of the crowd and because of the uh, former owners of this slave girl stirring up a mess, the magistrates had the officials, meaning the police of their day, strip Paul and Silas of their clothing so that their back would be exposed. They commanded that they be beaten with rods within the limits of the law. And because, I mean, they made a judgment on these men of God without having uh, any kind of evidence against them or giving them their say. And they, because they were so notorious prisoners all of a sudden, the magistrates told the jailkeeper, I want you to keep him, them sound. And the jailkeeper took them and put them into the inner prison, not the outskirts, put them in the diff deepest depth of the inner prison, and it was different from prisons today. The deepest depth of the prison would be underground. It would be where all the septic and all the waste and refuge would pour down. It didn't have air conditioning, didn't have eat eating uh, facilities, it didn't have remote control TV and cable for prisoners to look at. Just thought I'd meddle a little bit. And there they were, beaten next door to death. And the Bible says this, and if you then act 16, say amen. amen. Look at verse 24. The jailkeeper, having received this charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now that's not the New York stock exchange. Okay? 
When it says that he put them in stocks, it meant that there were iron bracelets or braces around their ankles and their feet. And attached to these iron stocks were chains that were attached to the wall of the inner prison and the dungeon where there was a guarantee that Paul and Silas could not free themselves. And the Bible says... Oh, help me here, Lord Jesus. Get me to Paul and Silas on that last slide. I want you to understand... Here are two men preaching the gospel. And they're doing what is right and good. And they get thrown in a second choice world. Doesn't sometimes the devil tell you, why go to church anyhow? Why sing in the choir anyhow? Why volunteer? Why give your tithe and offering? Why bring your kids? Why read your Bible? Why pray? You're doing all you can. And here you are thrown in a second choice world. But you know, instead of running from it, because they couldn't run from it. Why? Because they were chained to it. Did did you all hear what I said? And instead of denying it, how could they deny it? Their backs are lacerated. Their flesh has been broken. The evidence is all around them. If we survive the night, we could die in the morning. So all of a sudden, the Lord showed them how to take a second choice world and make it a first cast place of praising God. Can I get an amen? amen. The inner pr- Look at verse number 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Oh, listen, listen to this. Paul is traveling with his praise team leader. And they thought, you know what, I could, I think Silas, when asked by Paul, listen, we are here with chains, we ain't going nowhere, this is a second choice world. I had a woman approach me in the first service, at the end of the first service, said, Pastor, I'm not even in my second choice world, not even my third or fourth choice, because things have gone like they have. And you know, Paul could have said to Silas, it looked like we're going to die in the, in the morning, so why don't you get one of them funeral songs, get us ready to die. You know, you know, you know how I feel about some country music. Please play for me a sad melody, so sad that it makes everybody cry. I don't blame you for wanting to cry. You know, one of them somebody done somebody wrong song. Yeah. Now, you can do that and scatter all your friends. Or you can do like Paul and Silas. This may be our final hours, but we are going up in a shout. So, so they started singing. I don't know what they sang, but they might have sang. Oh, 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 oh. they might have sang victory in Jesus. They might have sang. Oh, you, you just choose whatever song helps you out and just put it in your mind. Because when you get in your second choice world, the way to get out of it in a hurry and drive the devil away is just to praise God whether or not the atmosphere calls for it. Can I get somebody to help me here? Yeah. I want to go as far as I can. Let me tell you this. I want you to understand. It's amazing what praising God will do. It may just sound like praise God to your ears, but it drives demons. 
Did you hear what I said? The devil hates when you praise God knowing that you've gotten a bad report from the doctor and you ought to be whining. The devil hates when you praise God knowing that you got more month than you have money, but you praise God anyhow. The devil hates when you praise God because he knows he's doing all he can to get you down and sad and in a valley of despair. But I'm here to tell you, in order for you to get out of your second choice world, it's amazing when you praise God anyhow, how demons and the devil and the imps of hell must leave you alone. Yeah. So, so when you in your second choice world, do like Paul and Silas, and there's always a right time to praise the Lord. And I know I'm going a different route here, but listen to me. Uh, at midnight. Isn't that what the Bible says in verse 25? Look at your Bible. Say, at midnight. Now, everybody has a midnight. Did you hear what I said? And you're thinking, Pastor, you're so smart. It's a no-brainer. We all have a midnight. It's 12 a.m. in the morning. No, I ain't talking about that midnight. I'm talking in the middle of the day, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, when you get that cell phone call and it turns into your midnight for the nature of the news on the other end. Did you hear what I'm talking about in the middle of your life when you think everything is wonderful in your marriage and somebody with a badge shows up at your front door serving you divorce papers that you never expected. Everybody has a midnight. Did you hear what I had? I'm talking about the call on the other end of the phone from a sheriff's department or somebody in another state or another town that says we, we, have, we, we have your son or we have your daughter or your nephew. Everybody has a midnight. I like what Willie Terrell says. He's one of our elders. Willie Terrell says, if you ain't had no trouble, keep living. I didn't hear you. Just keep living. Nobody's excluded. I'm not praying for you to have troubles, but I'm here to tell you about at midnight. Everybody say at midnight. Say at midnight. Oh, my. That, that sometimes is the darkest hour, the most painful hour, the most trying hour. But the Bible says when they praise God in their second choice world, the result of their praise. Look in your scriptures, please. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Can you imagine that? Now, you've got to imagine with me. Everybody, look, look at me now. Oh, don't think about Golden Corral. They've got enough food for you and your mama and your, your whole family. Just think about Jesus right now, okay? Yeah. I'm talking about here some boys. They're beaten next door to death. When the sun rises, they're going to be dragged out in the court square. And the mob probably still mad. We're going to pelt them to death. But, oh, the Bible says. You see what praises does? It caused God to send an earthquake. I don't know whether the earthquake is within one building. It's quite likely. How many know God can do anything? I don't know if the earthquake took place in all of Philippi. All I know is that Elvis been singing about the jailhouse rock. That jailhouse rock long before Elvis even found a song. And the... How did Elvis do it? <laughs> Better not try that. <laughs> I'd have to see a chiropractor if I went to try and what Elvis did. <laughs> a localized earthquake 
where the place shook so much until the chains and the shackles around their ankles and the stock fell off. It fell off their arm, it fell off their leg, and they started doing what a wild Indian Pentecostal preacher does. They started jumping and yelling and dancing because God in your second choice world, if you will praise Him, God will show up every time. Yeah. Hey, listen to me. The world thinks you're crazy anyhow. Why not go ahead and confirm it? And get a blessing while you do it. Say to your neighbor, it's amazing what praising will do. Yeah, yeah. You know how people tend to gravitate to you if you're complimenting them and you're kind to them? And you know how they scatter to you and all you're doing is saying, who matched that up? Praise God anyhow. You know, I said praise God anyhow. I'm going to close with this thought. Take me to point number five. Whatever it is. If you don't like five, pick up six. I'll do that. (laughs) Who's really in charge of your second choice world? The doctor don't have the final say. God has the final say. The boss doesn't have the final say. God has the final say. Did you hear me? The judge doesn't have the final say. God has the final say. We need bosses and judges and doctors, but God has the final say. You read the book of Daniel, and I won't get to preach it. They threw his friends in a burning fiery furnace because they refused. His friends refused to bow down to a 90-foot tall golden statue. That the king said, if you don't bow down at the sound of the music, you're going to burn up. Isn't that what the Bible teaches in Daniel 3? And you got three guys in a second choice world who says, we understand you the king and you the man. We understand that you have a burning furnace of fire there for anybody who doesn't obey you. And we are candidate to be thrown in it. But you see, here's the thing about the second choice world. If you understand who's in charge, he'll take care of you. Did did I hear an amen? Amen. I want you to get this. I said it last week, but I want to get it. We mess up when we change our convictions with our circumstances. Can I get an amen? amen? Just because your circumstances change doesn't mean that God has changed. Just because you got powerless doesn't mean that God's got powerless. Just because you can't hear God doesn't mean that God ain't speaking. Just because God didn't show up on your time frame doesn't mean that God has died. Don't change your conviction. Don't change your faith. Don't change your belief in God's word because you're in a second choice world. And go and get drunk and shoot up with drugs and fornicate and adulterate and have a big wild time because God doesn't care. If you change your convictions, you put yourself in a worse second choice world. But if you stand up in the midst of the furnace and you stand up in the midst of the fire and somebody else throws you in the fire the Bible said when the three men were thrown in the fire there was a fourth man in the fire and the king said that fourth man looks like the son of God I believe we'll tear down my idol and I believe we'll worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego help me praise the Lord here yeah who's really in charge? God is yeah. Man, I tell you, building a 33,000 square feet new facilities going to take $5.2 million. And when we add our existing loan to it, it's going to be more than that. Uh, you know what? I ain't cruising for no wanting to be in debt. 
But God's in charge. I remember, I remember when we owed $7,000. I thought, my God, we need $70 to help. Can I get an amen, somebody? God's in charge. God's in charge. And, 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 and but you got point number seven. You see, you need to understand that sometimes you're going through what you're going through because God says, I can use Lewis to bless another person. Because if I let this second choice thing come on Lewis' life, he won't backslide. He'll be a light. He'll be salt. He'll be strong. He'll testify. And I'll let him go through it. Because somebody else will be helped. Can I get an amen? When, when, when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, the same Daniel in the second choice world, they said, you can't pray. But if you do pray, you better pray to the king alone. That's Daniel 6. And anybody in the whole land that doesn't pray to the king alone for the next 30 days, if I'm praying to any other God, will be thrown in the den of mad-eating, ferocious lions. Daniel wasn't trying to be cocky or arrogant. He was in a strange land in a second-choice world, but his God wasn't strange to him. So he prayed anyhow. They threw him in the lion's den. And his enemies who put him down there expected that he would be lion's meal. But Daniel said, God's an angel. You don't know the angels God's assigned to you. You better be careful how fast you drive. They're going to leave that car if you get... Yeah, me too. God don't want his angels killed by you breaking the law. <laughs> Where'd that come from? That's, that's nice, yeah. Look, look, listen to me. God shut the mouth of the lions. You know why God did that? Not because Daniel needed his faith built up even more. But as soon as he got out of that lion's den, the king made another decree. All you that had him thrown in there, I want you, you and your family to be thrown in there. You let God take care of the enemies. All of you that set up the man of God to try to get me to kill him, and you because you were jealous, and the Bible says vengeance is mine. Don't you sit around stewing and fussing and fabricating a way to get to your enemy. Let God take care of them. And then God said, we, the king said, we'll serve the God of Daniel. Stand everybody. Stand with me. Oh, blessed Holy Ghost. Anybody in a second choice world, go ahead and say amen. I don't mean you're saying amen you want to stay there, but I'm just saying you are realizing that God doesn't want you to deny it. He wants you to deal with it. God doesn't want you to run from it. He wants you to work through it. And working through it sometimes takes more than one day. It takes more than one phone call. It takes more than one email. Can you, can you hear me, somebody? Working through it sometimes takes more than one fasting of one meal. It may take fasting several meals. Can I get an amen? Working through it sometimes means going to the counselor more than once and, and, and going back again. Give me a nod, somebody. Yeah. Working through it so that God can be glorified and you can be blessed. Don't camp out in your second choice world when you've got a first class God. Bow your heads. Oh, my Jesus. What I want you to be prepared to do with me in a moment. I don't mean for you to be, uh, well, let me see how I can say this. I want you just to prepare to do in a moment what you did during praise and worship. And praise God in your second choice world. I want you to get ready not to whine or complain or fuss or look at somebody else and see how high they're raising their hands or how loud their voice is. I want you, like Paul and Silas, that even if you already done what was right and good, and there's no fault in you, but you're still in your second choice world. I want you to thank God anyhow 
that you are not here to stay. He is Lord and He will bring you through. So I don't know what it is this morning. But you, you may have put yourself in your second choice world. You may have made wrong decisions. You said the wrong thing. You hung up with the wrong people. You experimented with stuff and the consequences are flooding over your life. But I want you to say, God, in Jesus' name, if I got to go through this, don't let me go through it alone. I need Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Is it your marriage? Is it your mind? Is it a suicidal tendency? Is it your body and you're sick? Is it your child? Whatever it is. Because Jesus loved us, he came into our second choice world. Jesus had a choice. He didn't have to come. But he came to bring us through the valley of the shadow of death. Pastor, I need prayer. Raise your hand. Oh, I knew there would be many, but I'm just even more firm. You may put them down. Look at me now, everybody. Put your hands down. Look at me. In a moment, I just want you to reach up and talk to him yourself. Okay? I want, in a moment, I want you to, you have a personal audience with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then I, I want you to just talk to him loud enough for you to hear yourself say it. God, I need you in this world, and I need you to show me what to do. Now lift those hands a little higher. Look up to the heavens. If you want to close your eyes, you can. Begin to pray right now over yourself. Pray above a whisper in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on. Let, that, let the prayer go up. We'll get to the music in a moment. But everybody, lift up decibels louder. Hallelujah. If you can't do nothing else but just praise Him, then praise Him. I praise you, Jesus. I want to be like Paul and Silas. This is my midnight. I feel like I'm in an inner prison. I feel like, although I don't have literal chains around my wrists and my ankles, the devil has tried to chain me down. Come on, let it raise up higher and higher. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to blame. I'm not going to fuss. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to praise you. Come on. The cancer has to go in the name of Jesus. The blocked arteries have to open up in the name of Jesus. The problem with my eyes, the problem with my with my head, my migraines, they got to go. Come on, Halaba, come on, somebody. The aneurysm, God, I, I pray in the name of God, got to go, Father. The high blood pressure, the sugar diabetes, the high cholesterol. My God, you are God, and I'll praise you because it's amazing. It's amazing what praising God can. Come on, build it up, build it up. Devil, you are under my feet, not over my head. Come on. Devil, you are not Lord over my life. Jesus is Lord over my life. I command you, devil, in the name of Jesus, to take your hands off of my children, off of my grandchildren. I command you, devil, to take your hands off of my marriage, off of my finances. I, I praise you, God. I pray, Lord, I'm coming out of this second choice world because I got a first class God. Praise Him. Praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Say it with your mouth like they are. Sing it if you want to. Come on. I want the prayer team to come forward. Brother Sammy, bring your team.